Hi all, Editing Sinan here. Uh, the week of release of this episode, in the early hours of Monday, there was a very, very serious uh, magnitude 7.8 earthquake in southeastern Turkey, followed by a 7.6 aftershock and a series of aftershocks after that that have really severely impacted both southeastern Turkey and Syria. And it would be wrong before we start the episode to not acknowledge that and also to try and point people in the right directions if you want to give help, if you want to do anything. I'm aware that this episode will be coming out a couple of days after the earthquake has happened, but that doesn't mean that the help will go to waste. In terms of help for Syria specifically, I don't have any specific knowledge about which groups you should donate to, just especially in light of the complicated political situation in the regions of Syria that have been affected. But in terms of Turkey, the Turkish Red Crescent have called for blood donations and also they uh, they accept good old-fashioned money and they are heavily involved in the rescue operations. Also, if you're UK-based, as I know most of the audience is, pretty much every major charity is running some kind of drive related to the earthquake. So just be aware of that. Go look in the usual places. Those will be where you want to donate. Otherwise, I'm going to get out of your way now and we'll start the episode. Thank you very much for listening. Welcome to the Peace at Home podcast. I'm your co-host, Sinan. I'm Ben. And I'm Jamie. Did you forget your own name? <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, our music is by our good friend Jordan. <laughs> when we remember people's names, apparently. We, we... Look, no one ever talks about the 21 episodes where you didn't forget your name. No, this is true. That's the, that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like that rate of success is to be commended, generally. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Uh, we're, well, we're back together, all three of us, and it's already going really well. Yeah. It's so here's the thing. I have a full-time job, and I also do YouTube videos and a stream, so I did not write proper notes for this episode. So we are going to shoot from the hip <sighs> while talking about two different military coups and an assassination get, attempt. Get that Wikipedia open. it's excellent that we're taking such an improvisational approach to such delicate political material got to say in in fairness i do have like actual sources open so this is this is fine (laughs) it just means that there are going to be like pauses where i'm clearly reading (laughs) just to make sure i've got it right we can just edit that out it'll be fine yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, people don't need to know. Also, I appear to have an article open on my Chrome tab where I keep all my stuff open where where apparently the Women's World Cup has been sponsored by Saudi Arabia, which is pretty funny. Oh, oh that's for my YouTube video. That's why that's... Oh, it's my research thing. Fuck. Wonderful. This is... Yeah, so, okay. God, I am such a fucking disorganized dickhead sometimes. It's just like, oh, yeah, I have a research tab open. With all of my research for the podcast and the YouTube videos, so we could have talked about Saudi Arabia and the Women's World Cup, <laughs> or we could talk about what happened in the. Uh, so we did the political background, which is the sort of party political background noise mm. of 1960 up to 1965. We're now going to talk about 1960 up to about 1964 and pick out a few interesting events. So. Uh, folks, do we remember what happened in 1960 in Turkey, right? We, we were well aware of what happened. And Jamie, I'm looking addressing that to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jamie wasn't uh, with us last episode. This is Yeah, a- but I'm going to guess it was a coup. Yes. <laughs> last episode, Nailed we were it. talking about the political instability of the coalition system because we had four or five coalitions of chaos. Um... <laughs> <laughs> which included the people who were meant to be purged from the political system. You can have same, which is, you can have stability with me, or you can have chaos with Ismet Inunu. And I will always <laughs> vote for chaos with Ismet Inunu, at least in 1961. It's actually really weird to think that the year my parents were born, Ismet Inunu became Prime Minister again. Jesus. 
Like, that is insane. And, like, my parents seem to have some degree of respect for Ismet Inonu, presumably because when they were growing up, he was the, the biggest char- political character. It's very strange. They have a, they have a book by um, one of the people who can become leader of a communist Turkey in Hearts of Iron, uh-huh. um, which he was like Ataturk and Ismet Inonu's biographer. Huh. And uh, that was kind of what he ended up being. Can I, and... can I just ask, what year were you born? 94. Um, actually, at my birth, my, I was born closer to your parents' birth than yours. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> once again, once again, the Jamie Not by age much, discoveries. But one, one year, yeah. But Oh, wow. <laughs> I still don't know how old Jamie is, and none of the none of the listeners will ever get to find out. Yeah, we will never explicitly say an age for Jamie. That's actually really interesting. Anyway, um, so uh, we we have our political background to it, which is that we have coalitions (plural) of chaos. Yeah. Um, that fuck themselves in spectacular ways, including over amnesty for the people who got purged by the military government. Mm. But we also talked a little bit about how there were hardliners in the military hunter who were too hardline for the hunter. Yeah. It's like, Which, I love Turkish military figures just being so extra all the time. Yeah, they, they cannot be stopped. <laughs> Nor will they be stopped for that matter. <laughs> Mm. And actually, kind of interestingly, one of the things, because I, I shared with you both a BBC um, interview, well, a BBC sort of news piece where they were in Turkey, and they were explaining the aftermath of an event we will talk about later that I don't want to spoil right now, but they referred to the 1960 coup as a revolution. Yeah. Which I find very interesting as a sort of style guide for the BBC to use when talking about a NATO ally whose NATO, strongly NATO-allied military, intervened in politics. Mm, they're kind of getting regime-pilled. Yeah, a little bit, a <laughs> little bit. It's very interesting to me. So, they... <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just, like, trying to... like. So, that's actually very interesting. Just a very interesting point on, like, BBC style guides, I guess. It was just something that I kind of picked up on when they were talking about it. It's very interesting to see the BBC reporting on Turkey in the 60s. Mm. And, and, like, and very explicitly saying that the, the, the military revolution was to re-establish the principles set down by Kemal Ataturk. Yeah. All without mentioning that there were 14 military officers who were too extreme for the military hunter. I just want to make that very clear. <laughs> Including Ben's favourite person, Op Aslan Turkesh. Ah. Uh... We've had enough of that guy. <laughs> My least favourite guy. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's really not good, is it? Like, Although the, the, there are other guys that will be taking the stage soon, I expect, that will be equally oh, insufferable. Oh, this is a country that has like a guy sort of conveyor belt that will never end. Mm. It will be producing guys long after we have died. <laughs> <laughs> like... It will, it, long after the heat death of the universe, a guy will emerge and it will be a Turkish guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what will happen. <laughs> Excellent. Is there an old so, abandoned guy factory somewhere in Anatolia? Yeah, and a guy emerges, restarting the universe. <laughs> that's, now, that's now what I unironically believe. <laughs> so. Uh, what so the thing is, when fourteen high rank well, relatively high ranking military officers are too extreme for the military hunter, do we think that there are too do we think that it's just fourteen guys? Or do we <clears> think <throat> that there are there are more guys who are, who oppose the return to democracy such that it is? I would suppose that there would be some sort of movement under these guys. Yeah, that they are figure figureheads of a wider sentiment within the military. Yes, and the hunter comes in and is like, "We need to quietly sack all of these guys who are aligned with these maniacs because we would like to have, you know, a parliamentary democracy." That is the whole point <laughs> of the of the of the of the concept is to have a military is to have not a military dictatorship. Although <laughs> to be fair, um. <laughs> 
mm. is to have a is is to have a parliamentary democracy. That's what they want. And what happened is, and I'm not, and I wish I was making this up. The more hardline military officers, they unionized. Oh no. <laughs> yep. And um, and the, and the thing is, like people in Turkey generally at the time, they did not know this existed, right? This this is formed in late 1960. The general public were unaware that this cadre of military officers and soldiers who did not want to return to democracy had unionized within the army. Oh dear. Which is a problem. I think we would agree as a problem. <laughs> yeah, just a yeah. slight one. Yeah, this is a, this is what we what we in the business call an oopsie waiting to happen. Are they are they better or worse than American police unions though? Oh boy. Well, given the membership of them, I would say it's probably quite a bit worse. Now, there are already sort of points where so basically this the existence of sort of the hardliners having clashes with the hunter become public. Uh, because basically they wanted to reinstate people who had been dismissed for being too hardline. And they wanted assurances that the military hunter, I will stress, it is a military hunter, did not interfere in appointments in the military. (laughs) (laughs) God damn. Which does not make any sense. No. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's not a demand that any military hunter could fucking agree to. (laughs) (laughs) It is. But. But. What they wanted. There were assurances they could give, right? Which was that they wanted to make sure that a future civilian regime. If, you know, they're like, look, if you're insisting on a civilian regime, we just want to make sure that they can't prosecute anyone who did the coup. Which, of course, you know, that's at least ass covering that I can conceptually understand. Yeah. And and that the sentences of the Yasa other trials, which we talked about previous episode, you know, the ones where people were sentenced to death and stuff, Mm. that they would be carried out pretty much, you know, immediately. Yeah. They don't want that walked back on, I guess. Yeah. And now it gets kind of weird. So... Remember the the um the military approved constitution, the one that like actually has some guaranteed rights and stuff like that. Probably more as sort of like a symbolic thing than anything serious. Mm. But it only wins with sixty two percent of the vote, and they get really agitated by this landslide miracle victory. Like in like I can't like literally I cannot imagine sixty two percent of Turkish people agreeing on any question ever. <laughs> <laughs> how the how the fuck they didn't take this as a massive gift is beyond my comprehension. But they then were forced to swear an oath to the military hunter <laughs> later on. The the members of the union, the 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 the, 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 um, the, the fascist soldier trade union. Oh, now uh, now to let just in case there are any zoomers listening who are going to counsel me for being against trade unions. It's a fascist trade union, <laughs> basically. <laughs> what am I meant to do about it? I, lo- I, lo- I just, you could tell that like rattled me a little bit because <laughs> it's it's just like so fucking stupid. Anyway, so as as we discussed last time, elections happen. Isma Inonu has to form a grand coalition with the Ju- uh, Justice Party. I was I almost said the Democrat Party again. Oh boy. <laughs> Well, I mean, but to be fair, they were basically the, the the main primary successor to the Democrat Party, and also, again, like to be honest, most of the votes that led to seats went to parties that were successor of the Democrats. It doesn't matter. So, after the general election, there's a character we need to introduce ourselves to, a gentleman called Talat Aydemir, or full name Ahmed Talat Aydemir. And he is an artillery staff colonel in the Turkish military. And he um, he is part of the hunter. And he actually was in Korea during the military coup. Ah. So he wasn't actually allowed to... He supported the hunter's actions, but wasn't allowed to be on the, the National Unity Committee, as it was called, the MBK. The, the actual, hun- you know, the instrument of the hunter, if you like. The governing instrument. Yeah. 
It, it was far too busy. Yeah, he was... Uh, by the way, in 1959, in Korea, they were not doing any fighting. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, like, belittle people who went to the Korean War, not least because my, like, granddad is one of them, but also that was way after any fighting was happening in Korea. It was like, they, they had had an armistice by that point for about four years, I think. <laughs> so, okay. So, so this is, Jet, this is a fella, and he is, um, how do I put this? He is the most hot-headed among what we would, what sort of described as, like, the radical wing of the hunt, or of the mm. people who supported the, the coup. So you know your Alpastan Turkesh, he's less hot-headed than this guy. <laughs> and considering Alpastan Turkesh had to go to a court-martialing about whether he was too racist or not in the 40s... <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are questions to be asked. Jesus. Please tell me this guy doesn't stick around long. Uh, well, no, he does not. Uh, he, actually, he actually does not. Now, now, what happens is that there is this secret document signed. Well, well, not a secret document, but in the military academy in Turkey, there is a, um, a, a document signed called the October Protocol. Oh boy. Or the the protocol of October 21st. And it is signed The October by... Protocol is a Tom Clancy novel. Ah, I definitely. Oh, oh, and wait till you hear what it's about. And it is the basically a document where the military should basically those undersigned um were quite junior officers. They were not like, you know, they they you know like the colonels are restless, right? Mm. That kind of thing. The idea was that they would intervene before the new Grand National Assembly was sort of convened and officially sworn in, hmm. in order to prevent a return to civilian rule. But what happened was, um, the see, there, there were no senior officers who were remotely interested in this, because they, the senior officer corps wanted, generally speaking, and the ones in the junta who mattered, wanted to hand over to the civilian government. That's the point. They would look bad if they didn't do it, right? And so actually they, they signed a counter-protocol, which was uh, they, they got the, once the four parties, you know, the four big parties were elected, they got the leaders of the four parties to basically, under threat of being murdered by the military, sign something called the Chunkaya protocol, which was basically, you have to, one, continue the reforms, that the military hunter set out. You know, parliamentary democracy, you have to stick to the constitution, you have to sort of do Kemalism, you have to promise to do Kemalism. <laughs> and also they snuck in a little thing there saying you have to give immunity to all of the people who were involved in the coup. Mm. So, uh... and, and they also had to agree to not... So basically the way presidents are elected in Turkey, I should, uh, before we had, like, before Turkey had directly elected presidents, was the parliament would elect the president. Majority of parliament means that you become the president. Right. Gotcha. And, and so, a lot of the time, the president is... Well, the president was, is obl was obliged to renounce any party affiliation before they became president. Uh, not so much these days. Uh, mm. go f I wonder why that is, but who knows. But the, but the idea was that... Usually the president is, because Turkey could never, very, very rarely have majority governments, you would have some sort of compromise fella who was a non-partisan, usually a judge, something like that, because the president was functionally a figurehead anyway, it doesn't matter. Who, what does it matter? It's like the queen, right? Yeah. yeah. Except like, yeah, head of state, but like purely, rub mostly rubber stamp. Occasionally, they can send laws back to the parliament. Occasionally, they can send laws to the courts to verify that the, the, the law is, like, not, con you know, constitutional and stuff. That's it. That's basically all it was. And they said, right, okay, you can't stand anyone against Jamal Grussel for president. You have to agree not to do this. Huh. And the leaders of the four large spies agree. Because, let's be honest, the military's in charge. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 basically, Isma Inunu and the three other leaders did not want to get shot. 
Yeah. Mm. And and interestingly, this coup was kind of made for Ismet Inunu in a way, <laughs> which is <laughs> yeah. which is why it's very interesting that he kind of has to be there under threat of being murdered. But anyway, civilian government was installed, and the the thing that like the the hardliners really, really didn't want. Not just like not a, not just like a return to civilian rule, which maybe could have been plausibly tolerated for a little bit just to see where it goes. Yeah. But the worst part was that people who had been purged previously, not not necessarily killed, but like removed from public life, were beginning to coalesce into the Justice Party. Which is precisely what you don't want if you've just tried to root out their influence. Yes. Yeah. And there was even a... Um, so there was a funeral of a Democrat Party minister called Tefik Ileri, who um, was a member of the Democrat Party. I think he was the minister for education. And his funeral was a big flashpoint. Do you know, like, in um, Suzerain, where, like, funerals become a big flashpoint? Mm, yeah. I wonder if it was based on a country or not. Anyway, <laughs> um, and anyway, uh, yeah, young people actually again remember young people protesting was a big fixture of the fifties. They mm. started protesting against the hunter and the coup. Uh oh, which is an uh oh yes uh oh is probably a, probably what they thought at the time. Now, a very so they so, the, so basically this continues and these hardliners basically are told to stop stop doing stop planning a coup because people know like people are well aware that they're gonna it's kind of like how in um how the october revolution was really well telegraphed because the bolsheviks were writing newspaper articles about how they were going to do a revolution on this specific day <laughs> against, the, against the Kerensky government. Like, it was, they, they, like, they basically put it in their newspapers that they were going to do it. Which... To, to be fair, no in communist parties, maybe they thought, oh, nobody's going to read it anyway, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And to be fair, like, in the actual October Revolution, like, contrary to, like, both propagandized versions of it, was just really boring because the Bolsheviks just showed up, took over key points, and everyone just kind of went along with it. Yeah. <laughs> and, until, like, the, the whites, the various fascists and royalists rose up. Until that point, people more or less just went, ah, I mean, that could be, couldn't be worse than Kerensky, could it? Yeah. <laughs> like... Maybe we'll get something done, finally. <laughs> anyway, Ker- Kerensky is the biggest tactical, for, like, failure after Trotsky, because he gave Trotsky, he gave the he armed the Soviets, <laughs> notoriously armed the Soviets, and then asked Trotsky, "Hey, now that we've uh, dealt with that insurrection, can I have the guns back?" Mm, mm. No. <laughs> yeah, kind of reminds Basically. me of what we were just saying about slave soldiers in the bonus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, huh? It turns out arming your proletarianized working class um, <laughs> is a really, really interesting idea. Um, and 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 if if Rishi Sunak is listening to this, I would advise you to give guns to all of the trade unions on strike today of the day of recording. That's it. All five hundred thousand of the people out on strikes arm them. That's it. Push them into national service. Give them weapons training. Absolutely. I love it whenever like boomers are like, "Oh yeah, we should give the young people national service." I'm like, "Great, yeah, fucking do it." Yeah, let's absolutely. I remember tweeting out like, "Oh yeah, well, great, let's teach them how to use guns." I'm sure that'll end well. And some like middle-aged guy was screaming at me, "That's not all national services. They'll do other stuff." I'm like, "Yeah, but it's not not part of it, is it?" Yeah, exactly. Like... Are you forgetting about important stuff like learning how to like pipe off the king? <laughs> There's something especially grim about calling it piping off the king. There's <laughs> something so grim about oh, that. Jesus. <laughs> oh. So, so the thing about this coup is <laughs> this first coup, the first military coup. There are two that we're going to talk about. Um, Ismet Inunu was warned about it by a gentleman called Jevdet Sunai, who would later do a military coup against. Um, I think would do a military coup. Um, <laughs> is he like the coup whisperer? Is he? Yeah, he's the man who. Knows, he is the man who coups. Um, I believe. I believe he was president during one of the coups. 
and just remained president because he was a former army man, so... Ah, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, completely fine. So, <laughs> anyway, the, the coup understander told Isma Inunu about the coup, and he actually summons Talat Aydemir and his sort of cadre in, and he's like, guys, look, just fucking... Please fucking stop doing this. Like, just don't do the coup. It's really fucking stupid. It's just going to make everyone look stupid, okay? Mm. Like, why embarrass us all? Just like, you know, <laughs> was basically the tone of it. It was like, why embarrass us all? Like, just just don't, okay? Uh, it's chill out, guys. Or- yeah, because he'd already told Isma Inonu about it. Mm. Now, <laughs> asking people not to do a coup in the exact same tone as Dara O'Brien when he gets tagged into someone's, like, mentions randomly. <laughs> it's like, ah, just- lads, it's just not getting a bit boring now. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I was going more for Homer Simpson's brain when, like, Bart Simpson is calling the Southern Hemisphere and he doesn't know where places are. <laughs> and he's like, he gets the phone bill and he's like, no, I'm going to ask Marge. Wait, 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 why embarrass us both? <laughs> God, Homer Simpson's brain might be my favourite character in The Simpsons. And, and so, um, basically... There was what was uh, there was a tiny little false alarm where um, there were rumors that a coup was going to happen because everyone fucking knew it was going to happen. Did, and... did they just like announce it on national TV like our generals do? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But they, um, but they basically um, a bunch of military regiments panicked and were placed on high alert, and some of the military regiments were ready to join the coup. They were, like, armed and ready to go. <laughs> but it turned out they weren't going. Oh, so they went back They went back to bed, and the next morning, um, Jeff, Jeff Tsunami wakes up and is extremely mad about what's happened. There has never been a madder person, and he actually summons them and just tell, and summons, like, Idemir and all of that lot and tells them, like, right, here's the deal. I can't sack you because you're in the union, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what I can do is I can appoint you to the ass end of fucking nowhere. Oh, excellent. Just sent to Siberia. Yeah, like, they were like, just go to fucking eastern Turkey and fucking freeze to death in the winter there. Yeah. Just leave, just, basically, he just said, just get out of my fucking life to these guys. <laughs> and and so, you might wonder what happened next. Did did, did Talat Aydemir take this lying down? No. Oh, he, no. Um, he, he gathered 600 recent graduates of the military academy. Oh, is he going to do some Mishima shit? Come on. And, and he gave a speech. Yes. Where he said, the coup failed to reach its goal. Parliament is not working. The army is being criticised. Now commanders are sent to the east to break up forces at the ready. Our planets are ready. The army is with us. And he actually gives a password to them. And he also ends it with, if this does not succeed, I will commit suicide. Yes! <laughs> yes! And obviously, the, yes! expression, the expressions and shit are, ch- are chosen to uh, allude to Enver Pasha of the notorious genocide party and his coup in 1913. And the graduates all went along with this. They were like, yeah, we're going to fight. We're going to get him. Oh, wait and, a minute. Uh, no. <laughs> Don't tell me it actually yeah. worked. Well, I mean, just, just wait, wait, wait. Let me tell the story. <laughs> You're getting ahead of ourselves. So they they try to uh, they try to do this right, and um, the thing is, Isma Inonu knew about it, and they actually went and tried to take over the um, the, the, the so the military battalion that guarded the Parliament Building. Because remember, we're still in like martial law; the military hunters still keeping an eye on things. They actually flipped to the coup and took control of the radio station. But the Air Force was loyal to the government. And so Isma Inonu planned to bomb the military <laughs> academy <laughs> with, like, American-bought fighter jets, Holy basically. shit. This is, this is wild. And, um, and, they, and, and Talat Aydemir announces his aims. They wanted to dissolve the Grand National Assembly, resign the government, and pass the administration to his hunter oh, through suspending boy. the constitution. Now, to to cut the longest story in the world short, with um with unrivaled air superiority, 
Um, <laughs> Comes great responsibility. <laughs> well, well, yes, and um, I, I didn't quickly realise that, like, uh, as soon as, like, the Air Force was flying over him, he was like, oh, we have, we have fucked ourselves here. And, um, they, uh, they basically went and tried to de-escalate the situation and mediate with them, and they sent the leader of the new Turkey party, the, the, you know, one of the Democrat party successes, who was a relative of Talat, mm-hmm. to sort of negotiate between them. And then, um, <laughs> and, and, and Isma Inonu gets cut off from the radio for a bit, but they have to find another radio for him to announce from. And he kept, Inonu keeps saying, like, look, as long as no one gets hurt, no one shoots anyone, no one is being punished. Especially not like the Academy sort, because they are literally children, right? Yeah. They are literally fucking children. They're like, no one is being punished. There's not going to, you know, things can be, fi- we all make mistakes. You know? <laughs> and, and the thing is, um, and Idemir quickly clocks that, like, he's surrounded. And so uh, Inonu sends him a note, a written note signed that says, look, if you just give up, no one's going to be punished. And then we can all forget about this. And Idemir surrendered. Oh, he should have unsheathed his katana. This is shameful. Yeah, he, su- he surrendered and lived. Oh, you will know. Yeah. At least you have the courage of your convictions. Yeah. And, you know, and not to be all, and then everyone <clears throat> clapped, but Isma Inonu went to the Grand National Assembly, and then everyone clapped. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even kidding, that's real. That's like, you know. And that Isma Inonu's name was Albert Einstein. That's right. And the, the, the students of the military academy, they were like, they were told, look, you take the week off, go home. Uh, we're going to temporarily close the school. We're just going to, we're going to rearrange who's there. It's fine. Take a personal day. Counseling sessions will be available. Yeah. You know, I, I like characterizing it as this like, <laughs> sort of like mid 2010s thing that would happen. And, um, yeah, so th- the problem is, do you remember when, um, in the last episode, Ben will remember, wh- why the first coalition collapsed was over amnesty for the Democrat Party people? Yeah. It's be- part of the reason they pushed for it in the coalition was because Isma Inonu gave amnesty to the attempted coup. Ah, oh, okay. So a tip for They were like, well, yeah, they were like, well, you forgave 601 plus two battalions or whatever of your lot, why can't we have some forgiveness for our guys? And obviously that um, Ismet Inonu resigned the government as, as we t- covered last time. And Tart Idemir continued to oppose a return to civilian rule after he was released from prison because he was sent to prison for nine days, not for trying to overthrow the government, but for insulting Ismet Inonu. <laughs> Incredible. Which- I have to say, is an incredibly Turkish way to get around the, no, 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 no one's going to be punished for the coup, don't worry. <laughs> like, the coup, we're not going to punish you for. Don't even, it's, it's much worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> now, do we think our fella just went away? Not yet. No. 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 He's back, baby. So, let's talk about the May 20 uprising. 20th uprising. Okay, was so, it? Mm. I'm just saying, it's really annoying when, like, putschists just get sent to jail for, like, a derisory amount of time and then come back to do more stupid shit. Yeah, now, he, uh, he is, um, well, Tata Idemir is what we might call, um, fired. Well, he was, he was encouraged into an early retirement. Let's put it that way. Mm. Now, this coup attempt has an interesting co-collaborator. He keeps planning a new coup, and he has a new co-collaborator. It's Alparslan Turkesh! <sighs> He's back, baby! Now, Alparslan Turkesh was approached, and they try and agree on the coup and what's going to happen. But Talat Aydemir is apparently a bit too much of a dickhead even for him, <laughs> and they can't agree. So Alparslan Turkesh just tells the government that he's planning a coup. <laughs> just goes and tells him what are you gonna do about it <laughs> yeah exactly like it's it's very like mark antony approached about the plot against caesar like what probably would have happened <laughs> there and so tart Idemir, um he 
he tries again. <laughs> and um the thing is, Isma Inonu dunks on dunks on um dunks on Talat Idemir and the Putschists by calling them Talat's three and a half men. <laughs> which <laughs> is um is fucking brutal. <laughs> but yeah, um, basically he delivers a speech, you know, uh, Tata Adana does, where he's like, there is going to be a revolution, we're getting rid of him. And uh, and then um, another general just announced on the radio, yeah, there's no revolution, everyone just stay calm, uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> and um, they immediately, pretty much in an even quicker than before, got the situation under control, arrested him, and uh, he was told that... Um, you know, there was there was some personal uh, unpleasantness, perhaps, about Talat Idemir that was released in the press, and basically the so what happens is in Turkey, whenever a death penalty is to be carried out, the parliament votes on carrying it out, right? Mm. And so the Justice Party people were incredibly in favor of executing any military general who did anything. Yeah, because remember, their guy got executed by the military. Mm. The interesting thing is, this time the Jehepair are incredibly pissed off at this specific guy because he's done it twice now <laughs> and vote for his execution. And so, Ben, your wish has been granted because oh. on the uh, on the fifth of July, nineteen sixty-four, he was um, yeah, was he executed then? I think he was. Yeah, um, I'm pro-life and take no pleasure. <laughs> Yeah, he was executed on the 5th of July, 1964. Sentenced and executed to death. Well. And and also a bunch of cadets from the military school were expelled. And then they just let, they gave him like a university education instead. They're like, look, you're not <laughs> going to be soldiers because you keep supporting coups. But you can be like, you know. Engineers. Engineers. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the Turkish upper brass were engineers, incidentally. Yeah, yeah. funny thing about engineers, I'm just saying. Yeah. And so that's the coup. Those are the two coups. Now we come to an assassination attempt. Oh, good. oh boy. Now, uh, this is what the homework, the, the video I sent was about, right? Mm. Was uh, Turkey in the aftermath of an assassination attempt on Izmet Inon. Now, this is kind of an interesting thing where the way Izmet Inonu talks about it in the interview He's very conciliatory, right? About mm. everyone. He's like, oh, no, don't worry. It's, you know, oh, it's, do you think it's something to do with the Democrat Party? No, no, sorry, not Democrat Party, Justice Party. No, definitely not. They've, they've all been very kind and, you know, nice about it. And, you know, because you just got shot. So yeah. it'd, be, it'd, be a bit, it'd be a bit weird to be like Rip Bozo about it because <laughs> he didn't die. Yeah. And also, also, by the way, taking a gunshot at that age. Mm. It, well, I mean, like, he looked like he probably would, you know, looked like he was fine. He probably missed, actually, now I think about it. Mm. So, there is a bit of the old background here. Which is that Cyprus has recently become independent. And people are... So, you know how, like, Turkey is a country that appears to cons- constantly be in crisis every time we... Every episode, <laughs> we find a new crisis to talk about. Yeah. Cyprus is in an even bigger crisis in some ways than Turkey is because Cyprus has recently become independent. Now for a while the the British idea was like Cyprus is going to go either to Turkey or Greece. Yeah. That was kind of the Brit positioning on it where they were like it's got to go to one of them because like what are you going to do be independent and then but I, I I'm going to seriously like shorten the the explanation here. A lot of people on Cyprus, Greek and Turkish, went, well, yeah, like, I I guess it couldn't be worse than the Brits. (laughs) Or alternatively, the Turks or the Greeks, depending on who you ask. And so Cyprus has a a sort of communal power-sharing arrangement where there's a Greek Cypriot president and a Turkish Cypriot vice president. Uh, This sort of council of ministers had to be split a certain way between the communities. Now, Turkish people and Greek people uh, were not the only people on Cyprus. There were also small minority communities, such as a group who were called the Latins, but they're just sort of like Eastern Catholics, if you like. Mm-hmm. Maronites and Armenians also live on Cyprus. And basically, they, they basically split it on communal balloting. 
Greek balloting and Turkish balloting, right? But they were guaranteed a certain number of seats, and obviously within those, they had parties, and of course, you know, and all of that stuff, right? And so you have, like, the president of Cyprus, uh, which is Archbishop Makarios, and the, uh, the Turkish Cypriot vice president is uh, Fazıl Küçük, who, uh, Dr. Fazıl Küçük, sorry, I should call him with his title, apparently. Uh, yeah, he was the first vice president of, uh, you know, United Cyprus, if you like. And the thing is, um, the thing about communal rule in this way is it's not like, communities tend to want to run themselves, right? Mm. There's, a, there's a bit of a tendency of that. And, <clears throat> a, and, and the thing is, the, the thing about, like, the Cyprus crisis at the time that we're talking about is it was um, basically a tax dispute, <laughs> for want of, a, want of a better way to explain it, which is that they basically won that government was too complicated. The communal splitting along all of these lines made governing functionally impossible. Uh. Like at least, at least in like Turkey, like theoretically, a government could be formed and the government could do things. Yeah, I, I can't think of any examples closer to home where intercommunal tensions have uh, <laughs> made uh, a regional government, uh, you know, ungovernable. <laughs> yeah, like, and 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 in that particular case, it's because a community who thought they would be in charge forever, in fact, the line was specifically drawn for that to be the case, ended up losing to the other community's <laughs> political party. <laughs> It's certainly not because, uh, for example, a Catholic might become first minister of Northern Ireland. No. That's certainly not the reason why a certain political party is being a gigantic fucking crybaby during a cost of living crisis, where I'm sure the Northern Irish could use that money. You know, they could use a government, perhaps. Yeah, you, anyway. you would think. <laughs> yeah, you would fucking think, but, like, what a fucking ridiculous... Anyway, look, I get why... This happened in the Netherlands. I get why it's happened in Northern Ireland. I even understand why they think it's a model that should have been applied to Cyprus. Mm. But they made it way too fucking complicated, right? And basically, an uh, an event that in um, in the Turkish Cypriot community is known as, and sort of Turkish history, if you like, is known as Bloody Christmas occurs. Where um, basically the around in December in 1963, the island just erupts into conflict. Right, mm, like right. people are out fighting. They're like brawling in the streets. I mean, guns are out. Um, villages are displaced. It is a disaster, basically. And the... it does not. It does not sound like an entertaining time. No, yeah. not a good time to be on Cyprus. That's for sure. Yeah, and, and like the incident was because of um basically the supposed reasoning behind the incident is that um is that basically someone had demanded to see the IDs of um Turkish Cypriot people in Cyprus, some police had decided to do that. A crowd forms and because there's a beef going on. You know, like back then they didn't have Netflix and shit. So if someone's like beefing with a police officer, that's like your entertainment for the week, right? <laughs> <laughs> and but what happens is someone shoots into the crowd and then it just goes off from there. As yeah. soon as someone has as soon as someone has fired into a crowd, it's pretty much over, right? Yeah. You you've lost control. Now, Makarios and the Turkish Cypriot leadership, the Turkish Cypriot le- leadership pretty much immediately back their people and we now have a an organization that we're going to need to familiarize familiarize ourselves with uh, called the Turkish Resistance Organization. Aha. Uh-huh. So are you saying uh, that paramilitary groups were forming amidst this intercommunal tension? Yes. Uh, important to note that this paramilitary group is a right-wing nationalist paramilitary group that was anti-communist. Oh, boy. Good for them. Co- not enough, pe- not <laughs> yeah. enough people take up that banner, I feel. Yeah, not enough people have that specific combination, and there's the emblem of the uh, Turkish resistance. Oh, okay, nice big like. Oh, sorry, Turkish resistance organization. Sorry, w- um, wolf motif. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Now, of course, their opponents were a similar nationalist paramilitary called the um, The hilts on those swords in that logo are very interesting, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> they certainly mm. are. 
Yeah, yeah. If, 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 say if you just like crossed them in a slightly different fashion, they yeah. would. Mm. Ah, a little bit, huh? Anyway, uh, so there's obviously like um, there are Greek paramilitaries as well, Aoka and the more famous uh, later one called Aoka B, who um, again ultra nationalist, <laughs> anti communists, um, and they were. Allied with a right-wing political party called the Progressive Front. Let's not think too hard about the word progressive here. Okay, now I'm trying to figure out which side of this conflict, uh, like, online-poisoned anti-imperialists would back. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's incredible to think about, right? <laughs> yeah, it would be the wrong one. They always seem to default to the wrong one, but... <laughs> yeah, they really do, don't they? Mm. Oh, God. Yeah. Someone has just want to announce that on Twitter.com, someone has just added me to their list. Good takes. So oh, I better get this one. I better get this one right. <laughs> Congratulations, you've hit the big times. Yeah, that's oh, it. Boy. Yeah. Um, God, we got to get this one right. Otherwise, we really can't. <laughs> we need more background before we make the choice. Yeah, yeah. We need we need more background. We need more background. Now, what does this have to do with Turkey, right? Like, how does this relate to an assassination attempt on Izmir Inunu. Well, the the prevalent theory for the reason why someone shot shot at Izmir Inunu is that he was not strong enough on the Cyprus issue. What does being strong on the Cyprus issue mean? Presumably they meant for him to send soldiers into Cyprus. Yeah, I was about to say does it does it mean genocide? <laughs> um, I mean probably some element of ethnic claims again there, yeah. Yeah, like, you've got to remember that the Turkish demand is different from the Greek Cypriot demand. So the Greek Cypriot groups, Aoka, now not the Cypriot government, the Cypriot government wanted to exist as a Cypriot government with Makarios and so on, right? The idea mm. was, we're just, we're just going to be Cyprus, we're going to vibe. Yeah, Except yeah. now we've had intercommunal riots, which is pretty much when the ship has sailed on vibing. But Aoka and Aoka B wanted something called Enosis. Enosis in Greek means union. They wanted union with Greece. Mm. Whereas in the Turkish groups, they wanted something called Taksim. Now, you might think Taksim Square in Istanbul is the same word. Yes, because it means separation. Huh. They wanted separate nations on the island of Cyprus. They wanted a Turkish Republic and a Cypriot, Greek Cypriot Republic. Now, obviously, the net impact of having that is the Turkish Republic would have joined Turkey and the Greek one would have joined Greece. Yeah, you'd have a that position is, state. That is very obviously what would have happened. And there, so like, I, I want to, I don't want to like, I, I, I want to kind of not be, I want to just be clear that like invading other countries is wrong, mm. up front. A bold But trip. I do want to, I do want to speak to a particular communal fear that existed among Turkish Cypriots at the time. Because you've got to remember that there was a population exchange. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of Turkish Cypriots think, and you've got to remember, Greek Cypriots also think, what if Turkey shows up, given the history there, question marks, mm. right? But the Turkish Cypriot position is, and you've got to remember there's sort of like a culture, a common culture, kind of, in all of these sort of islands between Turkey and Greece, right? They're sort of island people, if you like. Oh, no. Um, and, sorry, that's a very mainlander take, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that is, they, they do share some of that. They do look to the other islands as examples. You've got to remember the islands were the main sites of a lot of the population exchange for Turkish people. Mm. And... In fact, my cousin's dad is his his family were Cretan Turks, right? They were kicked out of Crete, and you got to remember in Crete, like if you, I, as I mentioned, if you were going to pick an island where this kind of communal tension would have existed, historically you would have picked Crete because its population was much closer to fifty fifty. Ah, historically, like much, much, much closer to fifty fifty. But they were forced to leave the island. Jesus, and and the the Turks. Basically, the Turks given the choice. The Turkish Cypriots given the choice. Their order of preference was Taksim, joining Turkey, British rule, then having a Cypriot state, uh -huh. and then and then and then the Greeks, and then the unity unification with Greece. Obviously, the last choice, right? Mm. So that was kind of the order of preference, if you like. 
And so actually, the Turkish paramilitaries, now this will give us perhaps an idea of who was right and who was wrong. One of their allies was actually the British military outpost on Cyprus. Oh, fuck. So who was right and who was wrong? Oh, Jesus. Who the fuck knows? And, who the, and to be honest, it doesn't really matter. No, not for our purposes, certainly. Not for our purposes, it doesn't matter. We're not here to judge this particular question. But what we are going to try and do is say, well, why the fuck does this Inonu possibly get shot over this? This is, this is going to be an escalating issue in Turkish politics, which is why we're sort of easing into giving you some background on it. Now, obviously, Cyprus has, you know, peacekeeping stuff and peacemaking, and they try and, they try and do sort of that sort of thing on the island, but it's going to linger as an issue. Mm. It's a sore spot, especially given the general fear that the, um, that the Turkish separate community have. And that community is in contact with mainland Turks, and then they react to it, right? And so Ismet Inunu, there's an assassination attempt on him. The theory is that it was someone who was enraged by Ismet Inunu's handling of the Cyprus issue, that he allowed community... That he, as if he were in charge of Cyprus, incidentally, was allowing Greek Cypriots to kill Turkish Cypriots by not intervening and being vocal about it. Mm. Additionally, there was a sense that Ismet Inonu, because, and bear in mind that when, when I tell you about the political affiliation of the attempted assassin, you're going to find it very funny, was too close to Greece because he sort of said, well, you know, Ataturk's foreign policy actually involved quite a lot of closeness to Greece. Yeah. Um, sorry to disappoint some Turkish nationalists on that one. Peace in the world and, Isma, and all that. Yes, and Isma Inonu. Well, the idea was, you know, oh, we've done the population exchange. All of the problems have been solved forever. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm not going to, we're not going to question it right now. And I feel like the whole podcast has been a questioning of that premise. But, mm. but Isma Inonu, by virtue of one, Turkey and Greece being in NATO, and two, being, you know, continuity Mustafa Kemal in a lot of ways. Mm. Especially post World War Two, given that Ismet Inonu had a weird thing with constantly interacting with Mussolini. Anyway, <laughs> set set aside for one second. They um, the idea was that yeah, so someone has shot him over Cyprus. Now the thing is that the person who shot at Ismet Inonu was actually revealed later to be a sort of Democrat Party person. Huh. Now, you will recall the Democrat Party are the party that took Turkey into NATO. Yep. Yeah. Which means that Isma Inonu, for all of the faults therein, did not have very much to do with what happened with the, like, root cause of the anger here. Yeah. Like, and, and also, like, Isma Inonu cannot compel a foreign, like, you know, Cannot like without military force compel Cyprus to do any do anything. No. Do, do and and if anything, it was much more Britain's problem than Turkey's at that point. <laughs> given given they had a military base on there. Jesus. And and you know and and that uh, that interview that we um that we that I shared with you was uh that interview with BBC Panorama happened like three hours after the attempted assassination. Yeah. Bloody hell. And, you know, the city was locked down, the guy was arrested, and they were trying to figure out who did the shooting and who was where. And, you know, you saw them chalking the, the staircase with where people were and stuff. Mm. It's and all very much up in the air when the guy's trying to ask definitive questions of him. Yeah, yeah, like, it, no, it's literally three hours after, right? And so Isma Inonu... And I, I always find this... I, I find media handling of old politicians really interesting, especially with the BBC, especially with foreign leaders. Because Isma Inunu was just like, yeah, I'll do an interview with the BBC. What's the big, you know, it's fine. And even answers a question in English, mm. which given his history with the British is, um, is pretty funny, <laughs> I, would, I would say. And you, can, and you can tell his hearing is, um, is a bit, is, yes. is, is in that state. There's, and, and it, there's one, yeah, one bit where he becomes very, very animated and he's like, what? To one of the questions he get, gets asked, he like, sets bolt upright and he's like, so again, like, yeah. Uh, there's even a point where he's like, "Am I meant to answer this question in English or Turkish?" And the translator's like, "Just speak in Turkish. It's fine." Yeah. He only wanted you to answer one question in English, which, by the way, remarkably good English for a man who did not have formal education in it. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, like really good English. It sounded a lot like my dad, actually, which is very funny. <laughs> um, I guess my dad did learn English from GoBots, so... Uh, anyway, sorry, Dad, I told the story again. <laughs> he, does, he does not like me telling that story, but I think it's the fucking best story. Best way to learn English. How I'm learning Japanese, not from GoBots specifically, but... I mean, um, it's like... Uh, I said that tweet a while back where like someone... I think it was some viral thing about what's like an embarrassing fucking thing you would admit and like someone was saying oh my parents learned about the uh like learned about partition from doctor who <laughs> oh and wow. someone replied i can do you one better my parents learned about partition from miss marvel i was gonna oh, say boy. i guarantee you that's a thing yeah <laughs> i was uh, yeah my parents learned about it by being well-read and educated communists, I guess. Um, well, I don't know, maybe. Think of all I, the time I, they I, could have saved if only they'd had Miss Marvel. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why, be, why be a communist when you can watch Miss Marvel? I feel like that is literally the Disney <laughs> idea. <laughs> so I feel like I've accidentally stumbled upon Disney's actual... Yeah. Which is why, which is obviously my, my theory as to why... Um, what's it fucking called? Andor has such... Great references to Bolshevik, you know, acts, you know, like the bank robbery yeah. and stuff, you know. It's, do, it's doing our radicalism for us. Anyway, let's not, let's not podcast at all. Oh, about God, that sort of thing. no. We don't want to start that discourse. No, but we, I have fired the first shot as it was. So <laughs> discuss amongst yourselves, listeners, on twitter.com. Yeah. Away from either the podcast or my mentions specifically. Yes, get, yeah. get away it, from me with that shit. Do it in you David can go from to Praxis ben, Cast. You can go to Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Address all complaints to James from Praxis Cast. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, J- James at Praxis Cast. Uh, let me get let me get their uh, let me get that at for you real quick. Uh, it's it's at Anarconbury. Uh, that's who you want and you want to send it to them remember it's they them pronouns get that right and yeah you can address all comments about whether the mantra of Andor is to do our radicalism for us whether that's the idea behind that type of media because maybe I should do a fucking YouTube video about that I don't know if only someone had a YouTube channel where they did this kind of cultural criticism and stuff like that anyway anyway Please, please do at James about that on Twitter, though. This, this isn't, oh, isn't a bit. You should absolutely <laughs> yeah, do yeah. that. Absolutely. They'll I'm love 100%. it. I'm, I'm super interested to see what happens now. <laughs> God, I really do. It's a good job I have a beef drop related to this <laughs> podcast and Praxis cast. As, as, as performed by uh, Google Foods. Why did Google Foods say that? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> Anyway, um, what I'll do is, in the episode notes, I will leave you all a link to... And this is the rare time where I'm actually going to leave, like, sort of an, a thing in the episode description that I say I'm going to. I will leave a link to the, uh, the BBC bit about Isma Inonu and the aftermath of the assassination. It's really fascinating. Also, Isma Inonu looks about 112 years old. Oh, yeah. And I also love, like, the, the BBC, like, set up for it, giving a bit of background, talking about all, like, the, the squat Teutonic buildings and shit. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very British Papa in the way it's trying to describe mm. these buildings. Where it's, it's, it's sort of, like, racialized the buildings. Yeah. <laughs> it's super weird. It's super fucking weird. Um, but, yeah, I, I'll put that in there because it's English language, so everyone who listens to this presumably will understand it. If you don't understand English and you've made it this far into the episode... Well done. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well done for one, and also like we might we might be big on ASMR Podbean. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, given the amount of food noises we leave in, yeah, <laughs> I say we like I'm not the dickhead who edits it all. So yeah, right. I think that's uh, that's us sorted. I think we will depart the first uh, post sixties uh, Parliament of Turkey and move on to some more interesting stuff next time. I believe 1965 is the foundation of a very, very interesting organization. Uh, uh, <laughs> it could be good. It could be bad. <laughs> Who knows? You, you never know. Uh, you know, let me just... Uh, maybe I should put a screenshot of the ideologies of this organization that was founded that year in the, in the work, in the, in the episode notes. Maybe, maybe it will fire up some hope in us. Or maybe it will just send us into despair. But you know, 
We could we'll be talking about this organization a little bit. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. It'd be fun. <laughs> Founded as Federation of Debate Clubs. <laughs> <laughs> the Debate Bro Society. And then look what it... Be- it really is like a twi- Twitch... You know, history really is a cycle. Because this is just Twitch.tv. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you want to know what we're talking about, Tune in in two weeks for the uh, for the next main episode. And remember, we do have a bonus episode out every two weeks. And this one is gonna well, I say it's gonna be about. We're gonna we tried very very hard. <laughs> to... <laughs> oh no, wait, we succeeded this time. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> we actually succeeded this time to talk about. Um, we decided to talk about the sixteen great Turkic empires as de- as defined by the Turkish presidential seal and we played a little game about them Mm. so we tried to figure out whether they were turkic or not so if you want to see us inevitably get our names put on some kind of hit list (laughs) uh, well i say see us you don't see us you listen to us well that's uh that's the bonus for you head on over to the patreon otherwise we will catch you in two weeks see everyone you guys mind how you go bye-bye